Hello and welcome. October is my birth month. I've been fortunate to have my mum and her sisters in my life to give great advice and share the family history. On this episode, I interrupted a conversation with the two sisters. They talk about their life in Barbados, America and in the UK, and much, much more. Please listen and enjoy. You, you said about you had, okay. to, you had to earn your keep. Yeah. In a, in a way, in a way, it was like that. You earn your keep. And, and as much as that, we had these chores to do. And, and I said, for instance, um, milking goat and feeding pigs and washing out the pigs and, and um, you know, and check, check hens and, and stuff like that for, for eggs. And, so, but so- it was routine because I knew that I had to do these things before school. And I was one of, of the many people in, 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 in the country, in the villages that um, did that. And it was a case of, it was a case of you kind of like earn your key. It was, all right, this was the 1940s in, in Barbados, I presume. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, yes, so, it was. So, so in terms of electricity or anything like that, was, was there a strange question, but was there electricity? What, how, Not how was it? Electricity, electricity came later. But the early days, well, there was always water. There was always um, um, a pipe. Um, I think electricity came maybe in the the, the middle fifties or something. Okay. Yes, in the fifties. Yes, yeah, I think in the middle fifties electricity came. And yeah. you got electricity before we did. I think in in, in my area in Ellerton, you got water yeah. and electricity before I did. Well, in apparently, apparently the water was always there because when I talked to to Vapo, my aunt, who's ten years older than me. And I was trying to find out oh. when the when the water actually was installed. She said to me when she was going to school, the water was there because I mean, oh, people yeah. call her a liar. When she said that she had water in the house, people called her a liar. And also when I was growing up and I said water is in the house, people called me a liar because mm-hmm. it was so, and, and I mean, mine is from 38. My birth, there was always water there. So I mean, she's 10 years older than me, which means that we had the water in the 20s, okay, so, 1920 so, so, something. So this, this wasn't a common thing then to have water in your house? It was not because we were... No, we it, were, were it, depend, it depended on the village. Okay. Yeah, so we where, were, she was, where she was, where she was, was earlier than where I was in St. George. Okay. Yeah. But I came, I remember we, the Shorts, Mr. Shorts, the, the upstairs wall house, they had water, the Grims had water, not the Grims, the um, mayors. It was the mayors, the Shorts and the Haywards, which is all from the Haywards. I think it was those three houses that had the water in the early days. And then other people followed because we used to give a lot of people in the villages water okay. because it wasn't on a meter. So you could give up, give away as much water as you felt like then the meter came later. Okay, so, so what, about, what, what, about trans, what about transportation and getting around? How, how was that? Because you said you, you grew up around St. John, oh, we, St. George. We, we walked a lot. In those days, in those days it, it, it was, we walked a lot. We very few cars. And um, then when we started with the, with the bus, the bus was once every hour, I think. Mm-hmm. When we started with them, get, when we bus. A lot of us, a lot of us walked because for me, you would complete the journey. Um, by the time you wait for the bus to complete the journey, we walked 
to Bath Beach. We walked to St John's Church. I walked to St John's Church twice, three times a day, so every walk, Sunday. What was the distance in the walking, though? How far did you walk? Well, Ooh. it took an hour each way. Okay. Yeah, it took an hour each way. So you a couple of mi- St John be a couple of miles. I never thought of how many miles. No, it's a lot was. more than a couple of miles. It's a lot more than than two miles. Brahma, a couple for Bajans are more than two. Don't you know that? We take him. We talking about Bajan parlance. A couple in Bajan parlance is more than two. I would say. I would say it's about three, four miles. Okay. To yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yes. Uh, but we walked it. It got dark around. What, well, Six o'clock. Okay, so you used to, yeah, walk, used to walk in the dark as yeah. well. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. that was nothing. I, I, that was nothing. Is, there was no street light, so you just get the light of the odd. You get the light of the odd bicycle and the odd yeah. car. Oh, when the moonlight was shining, the moonlight mm. was a big thing. Then the moonlight was shining. That yeah. Because I, I remember years ago, when or a I, clear star, starry night. That yeah. was a big thing. I remember years ago when I went. I think this was the nineteen eighties. Uh, into to Barbados. One of the things I found strange was when you're walking past people and it was dark, you could actually tell who they were and you, you knew who they were just from the silhouette or how they walked. And it just, it just surprised yeah. me. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you did. Yes. And everybody, and everybody spoke to everybody. And even, if you, and even if you didn't know who they were, it didn't make any difference. You just said good night and they said good night and you kept on going. Okay. And hmm. if you knew who they were, they'd call your name and you'd call their name and you keep on going. But I remember... I remember as a child using a shortcut between canes and you parted, you parted this from, from Trey to pool and you parted the canes as you went canes along. In order to pass, yeah. And, and then you Yeah, and the person would say good day. Good that's day. when they were children, like 10 and 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But wasn't the cane the and, same um, size as yourself? Yes, they were tall canes. <laughs> But yeah. you walk, yeah, you walk through them, folding over each other. Yeah, so you had to part them in order to pass. But you kept on going, okay. you especially when we were going to, to, to a service on a Sunday evening, six o'clock service at a Sunday evening. By the time we left home, it was beginning to get dark, so we had to go through those games in the dark, and um, and because it was a shortcut. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but the thing is, in those days, we were afraid of the ghost. We were never afraid of, of the next man. Mm. We were afraid of the ghost. <laughs> we were afraid of the dead man. We weren't afraid of the living man because the living man is not afraid of the dead, not the living. Because, Just, yeah. you know, and the, and the thing is, when we were going to church or going to any journey, it wasn't unusual for anyone on a bicycle, a motorcycle, or a car to stop and say, get off or get in. Yeah, leave your list. Okay. You, they drop you total off. Total stranger. You say total stranger. Total stranger. You don't know who they are. But, but, you, but they will they will see you and they'll say, come on, get in now. If it's a motorcycle or bicycle, hop on. And they drop, where you want to drop off, they drop you off at your destination. You say, thank you very much. And you're gone. You don't know who they are. So you were more f- afraid of the and, duppies and was, than, than you were. We were people. only afraid of the duppies. Oh, yeah, we were afraid yeah. of the duppies. <laughs> we only because that was a child, that was a childhood thing to talk about duppies to scare you, but um, was just hmm. a childhood thing. But um, but um, but, but there was the dark nothing. Was nothing. Yeah, and we didn't have. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, it was the fireflies when we used to see the fireflies. Um, 
you know, from a distance at first you think it was a one smoking, but then when you see so many, you you knew that there were fireflies. So, so what, what about things like but, bats? Um, you know, because there's bats that used to fly around. Then you, did, did, did that? Oh yeah, she used to see bats. No, and I didn't know that. For us all of that was normalcy, kind of. Okay. Yeah. That's why we and, and, with. It was kind of normalcy. It wasn't an odd thing. Okay. Yeah, and I remember seeing the raccoon and at night coming from maybe down Greensville with my mother and you just see the two red yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah, crossing the street. Boom, boom. Yeah. And and were the cans just looking at you and just saw two red eyes. And that was that. And those were the, the, the raccoons. Mm-hmm. So, so all right, that's when you were young. So when you were like teenagers... What was it like in terms of entertainment and going out and, and just meeting people? What was that like? <laughs> but, but I didn't have much of that. I didn't have much Wrong of that. Story until is different I, from mine. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't have much yeah. of that until I, until I started working. Okay. It's only that. And, but the thing is, my grandmother was one of these people that, as far as she was concerned, going to the cinema was something bad. The, the cinema, dance halls, and stuff like that was evil. It was unholy. Mm. Yeah. So, That's a problem um, Unholy. <laughs> yeah. So I only, Christian, I only didn't stopped. do those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was unholy. So I only started going to the cinema, apart from the the school, when when, when the school organized, um, you know, like Macbeth or Hamlet or something like that. Um, apart from that, you... I only started going when I was working and, and working. Mm-hmm. over 20, over 20, okay. mm-hmm. you know, um, but apart from that, and we would go like Saturday evening, but apart from that, it wasn't allowed. Dancing, forget that. Going to a dance hall, you say like, forget that. Nightclub, forget that. So what, None of that what, really. Uh, uh, Marla, what about you? What, what, was it different for you though? Well, for me, my I would start from my upbringing was similar to hers in that we were uh, responsible for chores and all of that before you did anything. Even if you wanted to go and play with your friends, whether it was in the morning or the af- mostly in the afternoon, you had to do chores. You had to do chores before you went to school and you had to do chores on the weekends. And you were taught to do everything within the home, especially as a girls growing up. You were taught to do everything in the home. That was understood. That was your responsibility. I know Brahma said it seemed as though she was earning her keep. For me, I understood it to be that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. So okay. to me, I didn't feel like I had to earn my keep. I just understood that's the way it was. And every, everybody had their own responsibility and their own chores. Until she said we grew up to a certain age. And because she was living with Gran, she was not allowed to go any social anything. But our mother, because with grand strictness and not being able to have a social life, she decided that her girls must have a better life than she did and be able to socialize. So by the time we became, as soon as we became teenagers, 13, 14, she decided that she would allow us to go out. Well, before then, if the church had any recreation, we were allowed to attend, like fairs and all that sort of thing, we were allowed to attend those things. But when it came to parties, by the time we became teenagers, when we became 13, 14, she decided that we had to learn about those things and she would give us the privilege of attending those things and she would take us there. They used okay. to call them picnics at the time and they start like one o'clock in the day and finish like three, four o'clock in the afternoon or something. Then the sun was up and she'd take us there because they'd have like dances for young people. If a young person was having a little party for themselves, whether at their home or at a little hall or something. 
and she would take us there and she'd make sure that we danced and everything else because we danced the home. We had a no gramophone, we played the radio and we learned to dance in the home. So when she took us to the little pic, what we call a picnic, or even if it was a church thing and they had music, we were allowed to dance. She didn't look upon it unfavorably at all. She thought, I'm giving my daughters the privilege that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. So that's how we grew up. So when Broma got older and would visit us on holidays or something like that, she was then able to partake in that kind of privilege. Okay. But uh, with but with Gran, it was not allowed. But with our mother, it was allowed. Yeah. But I I, so I didn't have any of that. I didn't have any of that until I was maybe seventeen, eighteen. Okay. And yeah. that's only with my and that was only when I went to my mom. Yeah. But yeah. um, outside of that, it was not a, so never loved. In that instance, we were a little bit more privileged than she was. Okay. And we were allowed to have, I would say, boys playing around when we were younger because there were boys around the area that we, that we knew and boys a little distance, but they'd come to our house because especially Pat, she always had male friends mm-hmm. and they'd come to see her, but we all played together. And our mother didn't disallow us from playing with the boys or whatever because we're all played as children. Actually, the young men of that day were different, I would say, from the young men of today. Mm-hmm in that their thinking was totally different and their parents were strict in the way they behaved themselves. So they couldn't misbehave in a certain way because if their parents found out that they misbehaved with a girl in a certain way, they were in just as, almost as much trouble as if a girl misbehaved with a boy. Oh, okay. So the men that mm-hmm. we were able to play with as young, you know, early teenage children and whatever, we didn't have to worry about that. Our mother always said, any friends that you have, bring them home. So we were allowed to bring our friends home, whether we're girl or boy. And as long as she knew where we were, who we were with, and we played, you know, within distance of the house and whatever, it was okay. Mm. So I would say, and that part of my upbringing was not bad. Mm. Mm. Well, I, I was never loved that. I was never loved that. Um, I think the only time, the only time that I really got to get out was when I met your father. Okay. And and that, that, yeah. That's, that's a long time because you were in your 20s then, weren't you? I was 20. Yeah, I was 20. Yeah. The first party I went to was when Pat was nine. Pat was, was it her 21st birthday, Marlo? No, no, it was her 18th birthday. She, I know, I think it was her 16th, either 16 or 18. No, no, she no it wasn't 16. It wasn't 16. She might have been 18, which means that I was 16. Well, it would have to be 18. It would have to be 18. Yeah. It wasn't 21. She wasn't 20-something yet. But because I thought, I thought the 21st birthday was the one at um, the, the social center. No, I, don't, I don't think. Because the 21st birthday party was at the Ellington Social Center, and that's the oh, only okay. one we went to, because I was okay. 19. I well, was maybe, not- she, maybe she had another one at the house then. Maybe she had a 16th at the house or 18th well, at I the don't house. Know I don't know anything about that, so I didn't go to that. Well, we had one or two at the house. I know that much. But I, I don't know, know anything about the house. Yeah, yeah I don't know anything about that. But the one that, that she begged Grant to allow me to attend. And she decided we are going to have a private invitation only party so that all and sundry will be able to come in and she even had someone at the door and I think police assistance and all that sort of thing because yeah. it was a special birthday for her and she wanted but that, to be that was my first that, yeah. that's my first party so it means that my first okay. party was 19 mm-hmm. okay yeah see these are these are things I, yeah, I never, I never knew about I never knew about these at all 
all the yeah. years. I've never heard this. I heard the story about <laughs> yeah. mom, about mom living with Gran, but I didn't realize that Gran was that severe, that strict. But from the sounds, oh, of it, she, she was strict. <laughs> Oh, she yeah, was. she was great. And I'll tell yeah, you, even when, even when the boys, because they, they, they lost boys, and um, because it was only the Graham boys that I was alone, and that because they were carrying, they used to take their sheep out to graze while I took my goats. Mm-hmm. So it was the Grahams, the Graham boys that um, lived next door, the only ones that I associate, yeah. associated with. But when when the um the last boys that was um friendly with Bascom who lived next door, and I was teenager as well. But I mean, even when I went out grazing the goats and stuff, and um, my grandmother would come for me, and we had this standing standing thing with if one of one of the green boys saw my grandmother coming for me, um, they would say they would shout, Skylark, Skylark, look out, look out. And I know that was the, the, the um, thing for me to get going. <laughs> and um, I had to, you know, I had to gather the goats and meet my grandmother halfway, bring coming home because as far as she was concerned, by a certain time I should bring the goats home. And oh, if yeah. I stayed out, yeah, if I stayed out. Oh, yeah. as, a, as a mom, I would be coming down, anything coming close to six o'clock. You had to be home yeah. at six o'clock. Oh, yeah. Sundown, you had to be home. Oh yes, and um, and on Sundays, on Sundays you can listen to any music or anything like that. It was reading the Bible, reading the Bible, and and that was that. Going, Going to church, church. Going yeah, to church, that was it. Yeah, Sunday was strictly church. No, no social anything. Uh-uh. The only church social thing you were allowed of all you. St. John's Church. That's it. St. John's Church was the family we walked, church. We walked to St. John's Church. We walked to St. John's yeah. Church and back. Yeah. So I would go to 11 o'clock service and come back and, and, and then go to Sunday school. Then go to Sunday school and, come, and sometimes so, come back and then go to 6 o'clock service. So that's where, that's, so yeah. that's where you used to all meet? You used to all meet at the church then? Yeah, but you see, I went to St. John. They went to St. Luke's, but that's when I was friendly with Ellen and Phyllis and all that. And that's what my social life, I mean, my social it, life was church and Sunday school. Okay. Yeah, but then whenever we visited our grandmother, and especially during the summer vacation, we always spent a couple of weeks there. So we went to St. John too. So we knew a lot about St. John as well. Mm-hmm. Or anytime we visited for a weekend or something, we'd go to church at St. John. So yeah. Like, me, Pat, and Jenny, we went to St. John a lot. So we were kind of like mm-hmm. part of the group. So yeah. we knew as yeah. much about St. John. Well, not quite as much as Broma did, but we knew a lot about St. John. Mm-hmm. We were part because, of um, There yeah. were the Branford girls at St. John. Let's yeah. put it that way. The Branford okay. girls at St. John. That was it. We were christened there. Because we, we, as a matter of fact, all four of us were born in St. John. John. Our mother was married in St. No, she wasn't married in St. John. Yeah, she was. Was she, was she? No, she was married at Mon- yeah, in Mon- at Saint John, at Mount Tabor. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, she wasn't. She was married. When at she Mon- was Tabor. living. She was living in Cherry yeah. Grove then. In the early years, yeah. she was living in Cherry Grove. Yeah. So we were all born in Cherry Grove. Yeah. I'm sure she was christened at Saint John too. Yeah, I never thought yeah. of Christian papers. Yeah. On, on on another note, uh, right by this time, your teenage years. And you, you all left in what, your twenties to come up to go to America and and to come to England. But what was it like? I, mean, I got yeah. married first. I got married first. Um, yeah. Pat left Barbados in nineteen fifty-eight in October. I think it was October nineteen fifty-eight that Pat left and went to Canada. 
And um well, Catlin first and you then you mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. because Shelly Shelly was born the same year Pat left. Yeah, that's, mm. that's, that's 59. Though. Because Shelly was born, yeah, Shelly was born in September, Pat left in October. Um, I can't remember. But, yeah, but um, Shelly was born first, then Pat went to Canada. And after Pat, Pat went to Canada, um, I, I was working, Great. I started Great. working. Yeah. Then, then I got married. What, yeah. was, what was it like when you... you you, you first landed in England and America. What was it like for you when you first landed in these places? Well, when I when I landed in, I remember I landed on. It was the thirty first of August, nineteen sixty five, and it was bank holiday. It was bank holiday here, and the first thing that struck me on the way from because I think I came to Heathrow at the time, and the first thing that struck me was the houses and how they look like factories. Okay. Because of all the joined up houses. That was the mm-hmm. first thing that I found really to feel that sort of thing. Yeah. I found that really strange. And um the second thing because we went to Halston, I remember your father got two rooms in Halston and the when I got there and I got into the room and I was looking around because it was bedroom was quite big. The living room was rather small. And I saw these curtains down to the ground. And I started going through them, thinking that I was going to the kitchen and the bathroom and what have you. <laughs> and it was a window. And I remember when he said to me that I have to share kitchen and a bathroom. I was flabbergasted uh-huh. because I thought I thought that I was coming to big, big old England, an apartment, an apartment that I would have had my bedroom, my kitchen, and stuff. And it took me some time to get used to having to share a kitchen with other families from other islands, uh-huh. and. Um, and a bathroom. And the thing is with, with, with putting money in the geezer and ah, oh, that, that bath, that, that was a shock. That was a culture shock. And so you, so you, went, you went from having and, relative freedom to having to share space with people and it's people yeah. who didn't know. And not only that, not only that, the, when we hung the clothes up, because I remember mm-hmm. I had this pulley thing, with being upstairs, you didn't go into the garden to hang the clothes up. So we had to hang this clothes out on this line that you pull this thing and fill the clothes and pull and pin, and pin the clothes and you left them to dry. And I remember in the winter when I started to get cold because I moved over to Ealing after that. When I started to get cold, you bring the clothes in. They were so stiff from the frost that they could stand up by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you... You, you um, a pair of pants, I guess, would stand up. <laughs> yeah, you, you hung out a skirt because you hung out the skirt by the waist, and then you took the skirt up in the evening or whatever. If you could stand it up, you could stand the skirt because it was stiff with frost, and you could, and it would, it would then fall after. And I mean, that was an experience. That was, that was 1965. Then. It's 1965. Yeah. And because then it used to be foggy and, and stuff, it wasn't very pleasant. And I, so things got a little bit better because I only had a sort of partial winter 
there, but then I moved to Ealing. It might have been either late 65 or early 66 that I moved to Ealing and conditions were better as much as we lived like a family and um, had two rooms again, but sharing, sharing the bathroom and, and, and kitchen was like a family because it was just um, Ansley and, and, and Eleanor. So it was, it was fine. So it was, we, we were like brothers and sisters kind of sharing a family, sharing a home mm-hmm. and it was fine. But when we, when I was in, in, in um, Halston, it was like, uh, more or less, um, maybe six families. Six, wow. Because I remember I shared a cooker with a Grenadian girl, and I think there were like three cookers, two in the kitchen, and then the, the lady who owned the house had hers on the landing. Uh-huh. And um, so there was like the Jamaican families, two or three Jamaican families, they shared one cooker, the Grenadian lady, because I remember like on Sundays I would go downstairs early and cook. And bring my stuff in pirate dishes, and um, the Grenadian lady would do the same. So we left the kitchen to the Jamaicans in the afternoon because I couldn't deal with how they were cooking this food and all of that. Yeah, and yeah. so many people. Oh, yeah, couldn't deal with it. So um, I was I was more than grateful when Ellen and Ansley invited us to come and live with them. Uh-huh. And um, so that was like a family. So my experience after that, and that was until 68, 1968. And um, so my experience with that wasn't that bad by comparison with a lot of other people okay. until we got our own um, flat and moved up to, to oh, West London. Yeah. Marla, what about you? How was it for you when you went to America? Because I know Mom yeah. said she went in Well, for me, I went in 66, May 66. 1966. And I went to live with Aunt Myra because she was responsible for helping me to get there. And I went up as a student. So I went up there to go to business school. And I stayed with Aunt Myra in her apartment. We were 165th Street and Wadsworth Avenue. Yeah. So she had her own apartment there, two bedrooms. Um, was it two bedrooms? Three bedrooms. I think it was a two-bedroom apartment. But she gave me the little one that was Tony's, and I guess she and Tony shared. And it was pretty good. Um, I went to business school, met my girlfriend, who I stay at now when I go to, to New York still, Staten Island. Right now she's in St. Vincent. That's where she's from. Okay. Caught there by the COVID-19. But um, So I met her at business school, 19... 19- let me see, I went up in May, and I think I started school probably in June. I started school soon after I went out. And um, that's when I met her. She's from St. Vincent, but it turns out that she knew people in Barbados. Okay. Her family had a ship, um, ships and whatever. So she would travel on occasion to Barbados, so she knew some people from the family in St. John that Broma knows, and I know, the Weeks' family. She know, She knew them very well. So we became, she asked me where I was from, and I told her Barbados. And, and she wanted to know what part of Barbados. And, and she said, do you know the Weeks family? And I said, yes. And I explained to her. And from then, we became fast friends. I've been friends ever since. Uh-huh. And um, so my experience at business school was quite good. Graduated with my diploma. And um, stayed with Aunt Myra not very long, six months. Then she thought that I was out there, you know, instead of 
taking care of my study. She thought I was having a relationship with someone that I didn't have a relationship with. And we had our little falling out. So after that, she asked me to leave. And I went and had my own apartment. Okay. And I got a little um, two-room apartment in Brooklyn. And, um, and that's why I became a Brooklyn girl from then on until practically I left. And um, I moved in from that apartment to another apartment with another young lady, a, a roommate. And had a falling out there. And from then I moved to another, my own personal apartment. Stayed there 14 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Graduated from school in the meantime. Got my first job with a real estate company. Did very well there. Worked for that company seven and a half years. Then I moved on to another real estate company. And stayed there five years. And then I moved from there to... Philip Morris and stay there 15 years. So I would say my, my experience in New York was, well, when I first landed in New York, I heard so much about New York, but somehow me as a child, I don't know. I was never, I knew people talked about New York in this excited kind of a way, but somehow I was never that excited about New York. I was curious but never really that excited the way I knew people were excited before I left to go up to New York. I just thought, well, I'll find out for myself. Maybe because maybe that's why Pat thinks I'm a pessimist. I'm not a pessimist. I'm just a realist. So I decided I'm not going to get, yeah, I'm not going to get excited about New York. I have to see for myself and then I'll decide and make my judgment as to whether it's this wonderful place that everybody talks about or not. And when I got there, well, I, I wasn't um, surprised to see all that because I landed, by the time I landed there, it was nighttime and in the plane looking down at all the millions of lights mm-hmm. down. That was exciting, yeah, but I wasn't totally surprised because I kind of expected that. And then when I got to Aunt Myra's place and um, saw the buildings and all the skyscrapers and all that sort of thing that people talked about before I even got there, it was like, like a confirmation of what I expected. So I, I didn't get... I wasn't bowled over the way some people would mm-hmm. expect to be bowled over because I know there was a friend that of Aunt Myra's that I met just the next day after I landed and she started telling me about all the exciting things and how I'd be excited about this and excited about that and, and I'd probably soon get married and this and that and that and that and, and I'm thinking to myself, why does she think that? Because I mean, okay, it's America. Mm-hmm, but it's, it's different. Yeah. But I don't get the excitement that she thought that I'd be so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. That I said, well, it's a country. It's different. But I have to pass my judgment when I experience it. And when I start, because she said, oh, you're going to. And she asked me whether or not. I think I think it might have been like two or three days. Yeah. When I met her. And she thought I should be so excited. She'll love it, love it, love it. And I said, no, I don't. I'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. She said, well. Believe me, you're going to come to love it, love it, and you're not going to want to ever leave. And I thought to myself, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, I waited to expect this love it, love it, love it, love it to happen. It never did. I came to accept it, realize that life was different, but then I realized it was a crazy tongue to live in. Mm -hmm. And then when I I knew of other people that were having bad experiences, especially other students like myself that were having bad experiences mm-hmm. and having experiences with families that treated them in a certain way. Because in America, when you're over 18, you're kind of like, you're on your own. Yeah. The moment you become 18, you're on your own. You live at your parents' house, 
your parents kind of almost throw you out. You live on your own. Time for you to go get your apartment, take care of yourself. I'm no longer responsible for you. That's the way of life there. So to me, that was kind of like coming from a home that I know if I reached 50 and I was unmarried, I'd still be living at my mother. And then realizing that in America, the moment you become 18, your parents throw you out. It's like, what kind of family life is this? So when I look at things like that, I can imagine what ladies want to tell me, I'm going to love it, love it, love it, because I couldn't love it under those circumstances. Because to me, family was important. We might have had strict upbringing and all that sort of thing in my family. But somehow I always kind of, even though you might resent something in the upbringing, but you realize that it was for your good. That's right. Because then when you realize that other, other, even other friends that you may play around with and their families weren't as strict or, 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 or treated them, taught them certain manners, and then you realize the way they behave is like, I don't want to be like them. So you realize the reason why your parents were strict in their upbringing, and especially like speaking properly. I got a compliment two days ago from an elderly gentleman. I went to, I was, ha- I'm having pro- I was having problems with a, a, a printer and I went back to the place I bought the printer from, the wireless printer, and I couldn't get it set up wireless. And I went back to the place to, to, uh, to, to not to complain, but to explain is why is it that I can't get this printer set up? And I was explaining to the young man and he told me I have to set it up with a cable. As you were telling me, Broma, I have to set it up with this cable yeah. attached to the thing before I can get it to the, the wireless to kick in. And I said, I'm sorry, so. No, yes. And I, oh, I realized that. And I said, nowhere the instructions tells you that. Why does the instruction then tell you that you have to hook up the cable in order to get the wireless and then the wireless will kick in? I said, how am I supposed to know that? There's nowhere no instructions tell you that. It's said either or. So when I said either or, this elderly gentleman said, oh, it's so nice to hear some person speaking proper English because when you said the either or, she said the young people don't speak like that. The young people said this and that and that and that and that. Yeah. I said, yeah, that's the young people, you know, that's the day. I said, but that's my mother because when I was growing up as a child and we said something incorrectly, she would stop us in our traps and say, what did you say? That's another thing about her mother. She said, what did you say? Mm-hmm. What did you say? And you knew that you had said something incorrect and you had to go back in your mind because you're not thinking about, you know, anything like that. You're just saying what you're saying. God knows what the reason is. Maybe you're playing and just passing by and saying something to the other person. And she would stop you in your tracks. So you had to go back in your memory and try to remember what you said. And whatever you said incorrectly, you had to correct yourself in front of her. And then she would allow you to go. So I said, I told her, as me gentleman, I got that from my mother. And that's what my mother did when I was growing up. And I was smart enough to realize that my aunt treated me the way she treated me because she thought she went to so much trouble to get me there to study. And there she thought I was fuller of doing other things. Well, in our family, we don't ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. We assume we know what's going on and we act accordingly. This is a bad habit, but that's, <laughs> that's the hell yeah, thing. Have you been experienced that before? So that's how my aunt behaved. And she decided not to ask me any questions. She just said, you've got to leave. Because like, you're not behaving that way in my house. I'm responsible for you. And I brought you here to do something. You're doing something else. So, da, da, da. But I was sensible enough to know that, hey, she's only doing it out of anger. And her mm-hmm. anger is because she went to all that trouble to get me there to help me. And if she thinks I'm not helping myself, she has a right to. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed that she didn't ask me any questions. 
And um, and because they don't talk to you a lot and have conversations with you when they think, well, they're the grown-up and you're the child, even though you may be of a certain age, I decided I'm not even going to have the conversation with her. I will prove to her that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and one day she will find out the truth. And so that happened. So even though she put me out, I still continue my relationship with Tony, her daughter, okay. and we kept on this relationship up to today, uh-huh. thank God. I wasn't hot-headed and whatever and got angry and all of that because I was a child. I was a thinking child. I was always a thinking child, and I always think things through. And so that happened. And my same girlfriend, Eileen, she used to work at the time. We were going to school. She had a part-time job. We all had part-time jobs when we were going to school anyway. And um, because, you know, you're over 18, you're kind of responsible for yourself. (laughs) The very very thing, yeah. So we all had part-time jobs. And Eileen would run into her every once in a while. And Eileen would always tell me, oh, I saw your answer all the time. And she asked me for, she asked if you're still going to school. And Eileen would always tell her, oh, yeah. And I think the first time that she'd run into Eileen was, was quite a while after I had left. And she was surprised when Eileen told her I was still going to school. Eileen told me, oh, I think she was surprised that she found out that she, you're still going to school. I said, well, that's what I came here for, honey. And I'm going to graduate. And I did. So when she heard that I had graduated, she was pleased about that. And Later on, we kind of met up uh-huh. to her daughter. I can't remember how it happened that I ended up going back to her house and I'd visit her. And then when I visited her, oh, she was so sweet to me. She never said, I'm sorry. She never said I'm, I was wrong about treating her the way I did. I missed, you know, mistook whatever you did, never brought the subject in, anything like that. She never did. But I could tell the way she treated me, yeah, that was her way of it. saying she's sorry. Yeah. So all that I go to visit her, she didn't want me to come home. So I used to go there like on Friday evenings, say Saturday or Sunday and go to work from Monday. And sometimes if anything, maybe I'd go to work and come back to her house on Monday, whatever. And, and, yeah. And, and I graduated. Exactly. And then later on, the opportunity came that Tony told me about this program that Long Island University was having that um, I could get in if my grades were good because I wasn't privileged to go to high school here in Barbados. Uh-huh. And she said if my grades were up to par, that there was a program that um, if I had good grades, you could go in and sit an exam and um, still allow you to study. And after you get a certain amount of credits, you'll get your high school diploma. And I applied, had to go in and sit an exam and had to write a paper and whatever. And I was privileged to get in. And I started going to Long Island University. And um, so she knew all of that. So she knew mm-hmm. that I was doing what I was supposed to do. I work for the, like the three companies that I mentioned. I have good relationships with the people that I work with. Of course, suffered the discrimination that everybody mm-hmm. else did, but I yeah. didn't say too much mind. For the most part, I had good relationships with the people I work with. There was always one fly in the ointment and um, all of the companies that I work with. And, um, but I ignored them and did what I had to do and had my good relationships with other people. And all in all, I would say my, my, my stay in New York was pretty good. And I always promised myself that when I retired, I would come home to Barbados to retire. So when the opportunity came, that's where I headed. 